In the insert of your bulletin there, there's <clears throat> How to Know God's Will. This is from George Mueller. I, I want to just go through this one very briefly. That's our topic for this morning. We're going to go through this issue, how to know God's will for your life. There's so many times in our lives when we're perplexed. What would God have us to do? Uh, what are we supposed to do uh, with this issue that's before us? What are we supposed to do with this reversal that we've just encountered? What do we do now? And really, for the child of God, discerning God's will is not a difficult thing. Just think about it for a second. Do you think God would make it hard for you to know what he wants you to do? That wouldn't make sense, would it? <clears throat> that God wants you to know what he wants you to do. And so it's available to you to actually know. And quite simple, sometimes we make it complicated. Now, the, the principal thing that complicates it is the first point we're going to hit here and the first point we'll hit in the message this morning is <clears throat> George Mueller, great man of God, the man uh, who really was an icon as far as faith and prayer and seeing God meet needs, other people's needs through him. Uh, a man in his day gave away millions Right? And you know, you're looking back in the 1800s, it was an absolute fortune. And he died, I think, with 13 shillings uh, in, <clears throat> to his name. But what he was is he was a channel for, for God would give to him so that he would give to other people. He fed 2,000 orphans. And he fed the orphans as <clears throat> a demonstration that God could actually do it through prayer. Right? Now, by the way, God didn't give him hunks of money so that he never had to worry about it. He never had to be concerned about it. The worry is the wrong word there. <clears throat> what God did was God fed him, took care of him, and fed the orphans through him and tested him. Uh, but the, the, what he had decided was that he would not ask man for help for it. And here he gives you just some real short insight in how he discerned the Lord's will for something and how he began to pray about something, really the things he would pray about. He said, number one, I seek to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own in a given matter. When we are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be, nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome. Right? Nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when you're ready to do the Lord's will. Now, the hardest part for you of discerning God's will is just simply to get yourself in the place where you're willing to do his will. That's the hardest part. Look at me at Romans chapter 12 this morning. Romans chapter 12. Two very familiar verses to us here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father in heaven, would you bless us now as we look to your word and as we look to you today. Lord, we know that you have a will for our lives and you have a will for our church and you have a will for our families. Lord, may we walk in that will. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to discern it correctly and Lord, to live to it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> Romans 12, 1 and 2 basically are dealing with surrender. They are dealing with the idea of you yielding yourself to God. That's the hardest thing for us. <clears throat> we have a hard time because the problem is that we have a will. We have a strong will and we have desires. We have strong desires 
things that we want, things that we expect to happen, things that we're looking for. And when we come to God in prayer, typically we come to God with our will very established and kind of fortified almost. This is what I want. And so we start praying. That's why Mueller was saying before he would ever take on, some, take on board something that he would pray for. Because once Mueller took it on board to pray for, he would continue to pray for it until it happened. It wasn't something that he kind of, uh, he backed off. And once he decided to pray for it, he would continue praying for it until it happened. So before he would ever take it on, what he would do is he would uh, come to the place where he uh, looked at the situation and decided, is this my will or is this God's will? Now, isn't that a tough one for us sometimes? Yet we want to see prayer as being the means uh, of us attaining God's will, but the reality is it's very often prayer is the means of us attaining our will. We want God to get involved and to produce the goods and do what we need him to do. And so we get caught up. Because have you noticed in your life that sometimes God's will and your will differ? Sometimes what God wants for your life and what you want for your life are not the same. In fact, quite often that's what happens. And we need to be surrendered before we can know. Now, why do we not surrender? Why do we come to God kind of, you know, with um, blinkers on, focused on what we want? Because in our minds and in our hearts, the only thing that can make us happy is for God to do what we want him to do. Isn't that it? But we've got ourselves so worked up about it that the only thing that could make me happy is for God to do what I want him to do. God may have an entirely different plan for you. God may have an entirely different plan. You see, the basis of all of this is the fact that my life is not about me. My life is about glorifying him. My life is not about what I want. My life is about bringing glory to my heavenly father. So, you know, Paul in Philippians 1 could say, well, whether I live or die is irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant and important is that he should be glorified. And that's where where our lives have really got to be in order for us to know his will. There, there, there are two people in Scripture that kind of strike me, and they're hardly mentioned. But there's the wife of James, and then there's the wife of Peter. Now, she's mentioned because she got sick on one occasion, and the Lord healed her, right? Um, <clears throat> but uh, we have these two characters. When we come to Acts chapter 12, Herod took James, and when he saw that it pleased the people, he killed James. And when he saw that, that, that they were so happy about that, what he did was he went and he took Peter as well. And he was going to kill Peter as well after the Passover. Um, and Peter, they're praying for him. And Peter is released from prison by the angel. And he walks free. The chains fall off. Fall off. Listen, it's a marvelous story. And he comes back to the prayer meeting. And I mean, that was a day of rejoicing for them. I'm, I'm sure everybody was really excited that Peter got set free. Except Mrs. James. How come her husband died and Peter was set free? Couldn't God have set James free as well? Yes, he could. And you've got, when you work through it there, what you've got to come to the place, you've got to come to the place where you say, it was God's will for James to die and it was God's will for Peter to be set free. Now, we have a hard time with that because we think, you know what? If really, in the back of our carnal minds, there's often this thought, If God does what he likes, who knows what he'll do? Who knows what he could do in my life? I might not like it. So I need to seek God's will, but I need it to be my will as well. Now I want you to notice from the back of these verses that we're looking at, Romans chapter 12, look, from the end, it says that you may prove, and the word prove there is to know, 
What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Do you know that God's will in any given situation is actually the best? (laughs) Now, it may not seem the best to us. It may not seem, it may not be that that's what we want. But God's will in any given situation is always the best. It's good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. Now, we do know that because there are times in our lives when we've had to face things that we really didn't want to face, and we faced them, and you know what? We were okay. It was good. It was acceptable. It was perfect. We came through it. When we come through it with God, we come through it okay. But <clears throat> what happens for us is we, are, we hate pain. And so when it looks like there might be pain in the situation, we shy away from it, and we pray the other direction. And oftentimes, we literally cross swords with God in the sense that God is bringing us one direction and we're going another direction entirely. God wants one thing in our lives and we want something else entirely. And only when we surrender, only when we yield, can God really minister to us and take care of us. You see, when we're not yielded to God, God can't take care of us in the situation. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ when he's in the garden. And by the way, Jesus experienced everything you experience. He knew what the will of the Father was, but the last thing he wanted to do was go to the cross. And so he goes to the garden, and he wrestles in the garden in prayer, and he asks the Father to take it away, and finally, he surrenders. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. And do you know what happened? Angels came and ministered to him. God can't minister to you while you're wrestling against his will for your life. God can't take care of you until you accept it and say, Lord, it's okay. Because his will is good and acceptable and perfect. It's the best thing. Dad knows best. He always knows best. He knows what the best thing for us is. We, with our puny little minds, want want to straighten him out and we want him to understand, you know, listen, it's not like that. You need to do this in the situation. And believers get bent out of shape. And believers walk away from God on the head of the fact that he didn't do this in this given situation. And sometimes we go after something so hard in our hearts that we're praying for and we're pleading with God for. And when God doesn't deliver it the way we expected him to deliver it, what happens is our faith is crushed. And when your faith is crushed, here's what happens inside of you. You think, he doesn't care. He could have, but he didn't. He doesn't care. When he always cares, and he always has a plan, and it's a good plan. Even if you don't see it at first. Listen, I don't know anything about Mrs. James. But I do know this, that when we get to heaven, Mrs. James is not going to be hanging around saying, you know what, it was dreadful, that was terrible. I've never been able to get over what God did to me. You know, listen, it was just so terrible. I mean, Peter got set free. I mean, it was not fair. It was not right. You know, and my husband died, and I had to live all my years without my... She's not saying that. What she's saying is, you know what? It was hard, but it was the right thing. It was the best thing. And we've got to understand that, that God's will is always the best thing for our lives. And in order for us to know his will, we've got to relinquish control. We've got to let go and say, God, you have your way uh, in my life. Now, let's look at the rest of these verses. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore. Well, the therefore 
is a follow-on <clears throat> from all that's been written before. And Romans is a great book. Romans talks about salvation. Romans talks about victory over sin. Romans talks about victory over the law. Romans talks about this wonderful spiritual walk that we can have with God. Uh, Romans is a wonderful book. And he says, now, therefore, with all that in mind, having said all that, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, you don't deserve it. He says, now, therefore, I beseech you. Therefore, listen, I'm pleading with you. I'm beseeching, I'm saying, now, this is important. Listen up. Uh, the, the, the whole point of what I've been saying so far is kind of coming to a head, coming to a conclusion now what I'm going to say next. Right? So he says, therefore, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, do you know what? Everything these believers in Rome had, they had by the mercies of God. Right? Everything they had, they had by the mercies of God. They were a people who, who had uh, lived in sin, who had known wickedness. They were saved now. They lived in an idolatrous age, but they were saved now. And they had, by the mercies of God, they knew. By the mercies of God, uh, they had salvation. Listen, if you have salvation today, you have it by the mercy of God. Now, when we get saved, we know that. But rapidly, we come to the place where we think, you know what? At least practically speaking, where we think, well, you know what? I'm doing God some real favors here. Here I am, you know, I'm coming to church and I'm preaching every week and I'm uh, teaching these people. You know what? God's, God's blessed to have me. I come to church, and I, I do my work, and I do it all. You know what? God's kind of blessed to have me. No, God's not blessed to have you. No, God's not blessed to have me. You are blessed to be saved. Mercy. Mercy. That's what it is. Just mercy. Nothing in you deserved to be saved. Nothing good in you before or after you were saved commanded that you should be saved. It was mercy that saved you. You know, <clears throat> while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. We were enemies, and Christ died for us. We were going our own way, doing our own thing, and Christ died. Listen, everything after that is blessing. Everything is blessing. Because if you were to get what you deserve, it would be hell. So this is the backdrop Paul is talking to us on here now. Paul is talking to us on the backdrop of, listen, you're saved by mercy, by the mercies of God. You have nothing. You are nothing. You know, another portion of Scripture, he, he basically tells us, you know, that because he died for us, then we shouldn't live unto ourselves, but unto him. By the mercies of God, you sit here today. By the mercies of God, I stand here today. By the mercies of God, we have anything at all. Right? So, the truth is, my life is not my own. My life belongs to him. Now, that's the basic truth that we have to actually understand if we're going to have peace with God. <clears throat> you see, we want to come to God in, a, in an equal relationship, don't we? You know, well, okay, he saved me, and that's good. Thank you for saving me now. But now, listen, let's, 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 under, let's have an understanding here. You know, it needs to be a win-win situation here. Isn't that what we want? I remember after I got saved and God called me to preach and we're going, <clears throat> we're going to uh, college in, in the States and God, God, God showed me, God spoke to me and told me we're going to go to college in the States. And I, and I remember <clears throat> clear as day saying, okay, Lord, you show me how the figures are going to work and I'll go. And God didn't say anything, but it was almost like he pulled me up short and he said, no, you go and I'll show you where it's going to come from. See, it's not a relationship whereby he has to justify himself to me. He never does. He's God. And in this relationship, he's Lord and Master. 
and I'm servant and never will be any more than that. Is he good to me? Is he good to you? Does he bless? Oh, listen, abundantly. But we've got to understand that's not our just desserts. What that is, is that's more mercy. That's mercy on mercy. You already got mercy in being saved, and now it's more mercy. And we have to understand this relationship we have with him, that, you know, he's God, and, you know, because he's God, he can do whatever he likes. And nobody can gainsay him. Nobody can say to him, that's not fair. He's God. He's bound by his love for us, and he's bound by the promises he makes to us. But he's God. He can do whatever he likes. And we need to, we need to, we need to, Take that on board when it comes to knowing his will. Because here's what we want so often. We want God to show us his will so we can decide whether we're going to do it or not. And he never will. The prerequisite to knowing God's will is that you understand he's God and he calls the shots. So we can flounder around looking for his will and never find it because we won't let him be God. When you come to him, you come to him, Lord, what's your will? And you come on the understanding that I will do it. And we'll look at that more in a second here. Right? <clears throat> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, <clears throat> the idea of a living sacrifice was different for these people because they were used to presenting sacrifices, but they killed the sacrifice and they, delivered, they, they presented the sacrifice and the sacrifice was gone, it was done, it was over, it was finished. But God wants you to present your body a living sacrifice. Now, when a man took a sacrifice to the priest, the, the sacrifice didn't have a glorious future. You know, the sacrifice was not going on, you know, to, uh, to, to progress and to, and to develop. It was dead. The sacrifice, its life was over. It was now given. And that's the thought you've got to understand. Now, I understand for 21st century believers, that, that's a high ask. You know, who in their right minds would do that? Who in their right minds would present themselves a living sacrifice saying, Lord, you do what you like with me. Lord, my life is no longer mine. It belongs to you. Who in their right minds would do that? Well, believers who know the God of heaven. You know, we've got a lot of people in this room this morning. <clears throat> And we could add up the sum of our intelligence and how we've run our lives so far. And you know what? If we were honest, if we were honest about how well we've run our lives, and if we could see all the ramifications of how we've run our lives, you know what we'd all say? It's a poor show. That's a poor show. I got myself in a lot of trouble. Not a lot of difficulties, not a lot of problems in our lives because <clears throat> we've run our own lives. We've done our own thing. Even as believers, we've, we've done our own thing and gone our own way. And <clears throat> we can look at our lives, running them by ourselves, and we're desperately in need of new management. Do you ever see the restaurant? You know, you see the restaurant has a big sign in the window under new management. What are they trying to tell you? They're trying to tell you, listen, the old guys were duds. We're better. We cook better. We do better food. We have a better deal going on altogether. You know, <clears throat> come on on in, and um, we will make you happy in the food that you eat. Uh, here's the reality for each one of us. We need to come to the place where we put that sign up under new management. Where we come to the place where it's no longer us running our lives, but him. We need to come to the place where we give up trying to make it happen for ourselves and yield to him. Because he's got a good and acceptable and perfect will for your life. 
And you know what? There's not one in this room that could not say, you know, I followed God and it was not good. We, we, we can all say where, wherever we followed God, it's been good. The areas that have not been good are the areas where we followed self and did our own thing. <clears throat> but when we follow God, it is good. So <clears throat> he says, present your bodies. And the idea is literally this. You come and you say, Lord, I'm yours. I listened to a sermon once and, and um, <clears throat> the man presented every part of him individually. His head, his arms, his legs, his, his mouth. Uh, he presented every part of him individually to God. He said, Lord, I'm yours. You do what you like with me. My life is not my own anymore. It's yours. By the way, a great thing to do every day to present yourself to God as a living sacrifice and mean it. That your life is no longer yours, that it belongs to him. <clears throat> present ourselves a living sacrifice. Now notice what it says here too. It says holy. You know, if you're going to be a living sacrifice, you have to be a holy sacrifice. When it came to presenting the sacrifice in the temple, it was not just any old lamb. It was the best. Everything was the best. You know, God takes issue with the Israelites in Malachi, and he, he complains. They're offering the refuse you know, of their herds to him, and God's upset about it. It's the best. Why? Because the sacrifice was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he wants you to be holy. You say, oh, no. Well, he's provided means for you to be holy. What he's done is <clears throat> he's given you his spirit so that you can be holy. His spirit enables you to live holy. His spirit enables you to live right. His spirit enables you to be different. Now, <clears throat> if you're going to be the living sacrifice, you have to kind of come up to that. You have to recognize that's true. That's what I want. That's where I'm going. Because all too often, here's what we do. We accept, you know what? Well, I'm not perfect, and nobody's perfect, and I'm getting along the best I possibly can. And, you know, I know there's this sin in my life, and it's not right, and that's sin in my life. But, you know, I'm doing the best I can. And God will have to just accept me the way I am. Now, you go back, and you look in the Old Testament what God thought of when they, when they presented a sacrifice to him that wasn't the kind of sacrifice it was supposed to be. He was not happy. God wants your life to be Holy. He wants it to be a sacrifice acceptable. A sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God. So <clears throat> this is important. This is high. This takes a different kind of thinking. This takes a thinking that's, 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 that's not the way the world is. That's, that's the way heaven is. The way God is. This takes a whole new way of our thinking. We have to come to the place where God is God. And where we're going to give ourselves to him. And we're going to give ourselves to him holy. We're going to be holy. You say, how holy? As holy as God is. That's, that's the standard. You say, that's impossible. It is for you. It is for you. It is for me. But it's not when the Holy Spirit's in power. It's not when the Holy Spirit is yielded. And when we yield to the Holy Spirit and letting him have his way. But God wants you to be Holy. So what we've got to do is we've got to understand we've got to deal with sin. Sin can't be allowed reign in our mortal bodies. Sin shall not have dominion over you if you're not under the law, you're under grace. Don't allow sin to have control of your life. Just don't. You say, but, but that's hard. It's really not hard when you come to the place where you decide it's not going to be. 
It's not going to be. <clears throat> well, say you went home. This is a dreadful thought, right? Uh, maybe I shouldn't say it to you because it'll just put something off your dinner, right? <clears throat> but we'll say you found somewhere in your house, you found a rat, right? <clears throat> now, would you look at the rat and say, oh, no, we're going to have rats living in our house now with us as well. That's, that's just dreadful. I don't like rats much, but I suppose, what can you do? That's the way life is. It's the, it's the cold season and the rats have come in, so they're here now till the spring. Hopefully they'll go in the spring. Would you say that? No, you wouldn't. You know, listen, dad would be, <clears throat> would be commandeered and dad would have to go get the traps or, 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 or the poison or something and he would have to go find the rats and, you know, become intrepid hunter and track down all the rats in the house and get rid of them. Uh, or uh, within our house, mom wouldn't be staying in the house. She, that'd be it. She'd be leaving. It's either the rats or me, but you not have them both in the same house, right? <clears throat> um, but, you know, you wouldn't just accept it. You would, you would declare war on the rats. Right? And, and, you know, and the more effective you were in the, at, at, at declaring war on the rats, uh, the quicker they'd be gone. Isn't that true? Yeah, listen, you, you go out, you buy a bunch of traps, and just, you get motivated, you get going, and, and you just get rid of it. Listen, you know, very quickly, you'd have the situation dealt with. Right? Now, here's the thing. When you come to the place where I won't have sin in my life, I'm not living like this. I'm just not having this wickedness in my life. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be a kind of person God can use. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to deal with it in my life. And you start dealing with it. You know what? You'd be amazed at how quickly the Spirit of God enables you to deal with stuff. You'd be amazed at how holy you can be. Listen, we stop way far too short in this area. You know, we're better than we used to be, so we're fine. No, it's not. God's the one that wants us to be holy. And when we get that grit and determination in us that we're going to be holy, we're going to be right, we're going to do right, you know what, listen, it's amazing how God can work in our hearts and lives and how God can actually change us. But you've got to come to the place in your life where I'm not having this in my life. This is just not going to be in my life. I'm, I'm not putting up with it. I'm going to be holy. And when you get to that place, listen, things begin to happen, right? <clears throat> um, Notice what else it says, though, which is your reasonable service. Now, we kind of cover this. So we won't cover it again, but it's perfectly understandable that you should give yourself to God. It's perfectly reasonable. Some of you think it's not reasonable. That's too much to ask. How can you ask that of somebody? No, listen, it's perfectly reasonable that God should ask, him, ask you to give yourself to him. Paul says it in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, <clears throat> you know, uh, that he gave himself for us, therefore we're no longer ours, we belong to him. And we should live for him. It's perfectly reasonable. You've you got to overcome some of the lies in your mind if you're going to actually achieve it. Because if you think, that's unreasonable. That's unreasonable that God would expect me to present my body a living sacrifice and live for him for the rest of my life. I'd be bored. I'd be miserable. It'd be horrible. Um, it's perfectly reasonable. And it becomes immensely more reasonable when you look at it in the light of the fact that, listen, uh, his will is good and acceptable and perfect. It's the best plan for your life that you're ever going to find. Right? <clears throat> All right, now, let's look at the next verse here. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. <clears throat> now, listen, we live in the world. That's just the way it is. You know, there's so much of the world that we live in that we really don't have much control over. So many things, and you, you need to go to work. And, you know, you can't control everything in the work. You can't control the music maybe that's played. You can't control the way people dress. You can't uh, control the way people speak. You know, you just got to go to work. You got to go to work and you got to live through those things. And, you know, <clears throat> uh, 
you, there are a lot of things you just can't control. You may live in a home where the other people in the home are unsaved. And, you know, listen, it's, it's difficult because you don't have control over it and you can't make it all happen and, and you're stuck with the world. Right? But do you know that, listen, those areas where you don't choose but you've actually got to do something that, <clears throat> that is part of the world won't necessarily make you conform to the world. You can fight against them in your heart. You know, <clears throat> listen... You can go into a restaurant and you can listen to the music and you can wrap your fingers and sing along with them. Listen, I'll tell you what, you're getting conformed to the world there. But you know, if you fight against it in your heart, it'll be different. If you fight against it, if you will stand against it, it'll be different for you. You, you can go and you can listen to all the bloody jokes around you and you can laugh at them. Oh, that's all I can do. I'm part of the world. I have to be in the world. You're conforming to the world. <clears throat> you're getting drawn into the world. You, know, you can listen to the swear words they swear. Yeah, listen, you can, you, know, you can color your language the way they do too. You're being conformed to the world. But it doesn't have to be like that. You can actually fight against it. You can say, no, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be different. I'm going to make a stand for what's right and what's true, and I'm going to be different in this situation. And you know what? <clears throat> Ultimately, most of the time, people will actually respect you for making a stand. They really will. They will, they will respect you. But you, you know where's a much more important, much bigger area where we get conformed to the world? It's the area of our amusement, of our entertainment. It's what we do for fun that really is going to conform us to the world. It really is. Because here's what we do. <clears throat> we get conformed to the world when we're, when, when, what we're doing is we're doing the world's things to have fun. And we say, well, I have to have some relaxation. I have to have some fun. So you're choosing things you know don't please God so you can have fun? Aren't you doing yourself such a disservice there? Aren't you negating the truth of the verse we're looking at? Aren't you making a choice which by free will you can make to do things that you know God's not going to be pleased with and that you know are going to upset him and that's going to render your sacrifice unholy? You see, here's the thing. We want to know the will of God. We want to know what God would have us to do. But we really don't want to be the kind of people God would want us to be. Now, how is he going to show you what he wants you to do if you won't let him make you the person you're supposed to be? And so what we need to do when it comes down to this area of being conformed to the world is we need to walk different than the world. We need to be different. Our lives need to be different. We don't do the same things the world do. Not just the wicked things, but we don't draw our entertainment and our amusement from the world. What we do is we live differently than the world. We live according to a book. We live according to a philosophy. We live according to uh, the rules and the, uh, the standards of a God that loves us and that has a good plan for our lives. You know what? That's going to make you different in the 21st century. That's going to make you odd. But here's the thing. And it's always this way. You've got to choose between the world and between God. You've always got the choice going on. It's not a case of, you know, well, you know, I'm going to choose God, but I'm going to live a bit like the world. All the time you're making choices. You're choosing either the world or you're choosing God. You're choosing to be conformed to the world. You're choosing to God. And remember, behind the world, there's a person, and the person is Satan. And that's not saying you're going to be involved in the occult and you're going to become a witch or anything. That's just saying, listen, you're coming out on the wrong side of it. And you may be a Christian, and you may be a, be a believer, and you may be going to heaven, but you know what? By the things you're doing in your life, what you're doing is you're choosing Satan over God. And if you don't know, it, that upsets God. That upsets God. God gets upset. Listen, God gets upset with those choices that we make. 
You know, you can't love God and mammon. You've got to make a choice. And when you choose the world and you choose to sink yourself into the world and to you embrace the world and to enjoy the world, you've chosen against God. And he knows it. And there's always a price tag upon that. See, God wants us not to be conformed to the world. He wants us to be transformed. He wants you to be completely different than the world. He wants the world to look at your life and see somebody walks completely differently. Somebody whose, whose take on life is completely different. Somebody who looks at situations and just sees it completely different than, <clears throat> than, than the rest of the world does. And that's what it means to be transformed. God wants you to be different. God wants you to be a peculiar people. Precious to him. He wants to look at the world and see you. Ah, they're different. That's about a heart. It's about a life. It's about a sacrifice. It's about everything to do with you. God wants to look at you and see something different than he sees in the world. See, God has a plan for your life. God plans to take your life and to use it for his glory. But if you're going to embrace God's plan for your life, what you've got to do is you've got to choose. And it's not a half-baked, halfway choice. Listen, there's nothing as insipid as lukewarm water, is there? And Jesus says, listen, because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. You know, limp Christianity does not please God. Christianity that's walking the line and trying to please the world and please God at the same time does not please God. You've got to come to the place in your life where you're actually all out for God and you want to please Him. Now, you know, really you've got to come to that place. When it comes to knowing the will of God, you're never going to know the will of God while you sit in the fence. You're never going to know what God wants of your life because you're never going to be in, in, in the flow of his plan for your life as long as you sit in the fence. God wants you to give up your own way and to come to the place where you yield to him and let him transform you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know where the, it all happens? It happens in your mind. You're thinking. Your thinking's got to be different. Your thinking's got to be godly thinking. Your thinking's got to be biblical thinking. Your thinking's got to be spiritual thinking. You've got to think that way because what you think you, you talk, and what you talk, you do, and, and it comes out in your life. God wants you to think differently than the world. You say, but that, well, that would make me so heavenly minded, I'd be no earthly good. Listen, if there was ever somebody who was heavenly minded, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? There was never somebody who was more earthly good than the Lord Jesus Christ. Being heavenly minded will not hinder you from being earthly good. You'll do more good if you're heavenly minded in this world than you ever could if your thinking is not right. You need, to, you need to come to the place where your thinking is right, where you're walking with God and you know <clears throat> Him and you know His way. And you see, he, here's what happens about the will of God. You know, the will of God is not something, you know, get, that gets delivered every Monday morning in an epistle, uh, you know, <clears throat> to your doorstep. The live, will of God is something you live. It's something that happens as you walk through your day and walk through your week and go through your life. The will of God is happening. It's something that you appropriate all the time and you, you're to live in, but it comes from a life that is surrendered, that is sacrificed, that is yielded to Him. It comes from a life, really, that is spiritual and walking in connection with Him. This kind of a life. A sacrificial life. A life that give, presents your body a living sacrifice where you say, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want, I'll do. 
Right? Now, let me give you some other pointers here <clears throat> that are going to be a help. That's the key one. If you get this one right to the place where you're yielded to him and you'll do whatever he wants you to do and mean it, you know what? You're not going to have any problem finding the will of God for your life. You're not going to have any problem living in the will of God. It's easy. It's easy. Huh? <clears throat> you just got to get over the place where, listen, it's not about me, it's about him. Right? <clears throat> now, when you're wholly committed to him, <clears throat> with your heart intent on obeying him, you can expect to be led by him. And, and let me say this to you. I think God gets a lot of bad press in the area of leading. I think a lot of people think, you know, it's so hard, you've got to pray for so long, and you've got to, oh man, you've got to fast and pray, and you, know, you want to find out God's will, you've really got to go deep. Look, there are times when you need to fast and pray to find, find the Lord's heart in something. But you know what? For the most part, God's a great communicator. If you're listening, he'll speak. If you're listening, God will let you know what he wants you to do. If you will just have ears to hear, God's going to speak to you. God's going to tell you what he wants you to do. What, I, what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to kind of take the, you know, <clears throat> uh, the, the idea that it's hard to know the will of God out of it. It may be difficult for us because of our carnal natures to yield to the will of God, but it's not hard to know the will of God. God will tell you what he wants you to do. God will tell you regularly what he wants you to do. Right <clears throat> Now, the scriptures teach <clears throat> uh, that there are many such areas where we can actually be led by him. Right? <clears throat> it only may, remains for us to believe what they say. Right? <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on, unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's scripture, isn't it? Lord, show me. I'm trusting in you. I'm walking with you. Lord, show me. Right? <clears throat> now, um, then the choice that we make from day to day involve four kinds of things. First of all, there's those concerning which God has said an emphatic no. Right? The Bible says no to it. Now, it'd be interesting <clears throat> to ask how many of you have prayed about something that you know God has said no to in the Word. God said no to it in the Word, and you know He said no to it in the Word, but you prayed about it. Because, now, what does that indicate to you? That indicates to you, I'm not surrendered to His will. That indicates, you know what? I want my own way in this. And Lord, even though I know it's not what you want, and even though I know it's not what you, what's best, Lord, give it to me anyway. Now listen, be very careful about those prayers, because He might just give it to you. He might just give it to you. And you know what? If He gives it to you, it won't be for good. It won't be the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's going to be your will for your life, and it's going to cost you. Right? <clears throat> Secondly, there are those things which he has said in emphatic yes. If God tells you to do something, listen, that's his will. You know what? I don't pray every Tuesday, Lord, would you have me to go witnessing tonight or not? I know it's his will. The Bible says it's his will. I just do it. Right? There's, there are areas, you know, where, listen, it's his will. You don't have to pray about should I give a tithe this week or not. Listen, if God blessed you, the Bible says 10% of it belongs to him. Just give it. Now, doesn't that simplify it a lot? There are a whole bunch of things in life that really, there's no debate over. God said yes, and God said no, and we just do them, and as we do them, <clears throat> you know what? <clears throat> We're fine. You know, you know, I hear people saying a lot of it, it really drives me nuts. Well, the Holy Spirit hasn't led me. Listen, if it's in black and white, the Holy Spirit has led you, because he's the author of Scripture. If the Holy Spirit says do it, there's no question about it. Your reluctance to do it is an indication that you're not surrendered. And therefore, you can't know the will of God. But when you come to Scripture and the Scripture says, do it, and you say, oh, my. And you do it. 
You know what? <coughs> Listen, it's amazing how you know the will of God. King Josiah, I believe it was, <coughs> um, they, were, they were cleaning out the temple and they found the book of the law in the temple and they brought it to King Josiah and said, hey, listen, and they read in the, the law um, of all the things they were supposed to be doing in the temple and Josiah had never heard any of this stuff before. And listen, he was broken over it and um, <coughs> what he did was he declared fast, he set about doing it, he heard the word of God and he obeyed the word of God. You know, we would hear the word of God and obey the word of God we would have far less problem finding the will of God. But you think about it. Listen, if you're not doing what you know you should be doing today, why would God show you what he wants you to do down the road? Why, Why would he be telling you what he wants you to do further if you're not doing what you know you should be doing today? Listen, it's very, honestly, this area of being led of God is actually very simple, very straightforward. It's not that hard, just, do what God tells you to do. Most of it's covered in that. You know, I'm convinced in this room, and from the, from the youngest believer to the oldest believer, the problem for us is not that we don't know. The problem is that we won't do. And because we won't do, we don't know. Now, that makes sense to you. The problem is that we won't do what we know to do, so therefore we don't know all the rest of the things, and we want to know all the rest of the things, you know, because we, we want the exciting stuff, but God says, no, 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 do the stuff. You know, <clears throat> when we're teaching our children, what do we do? We teach them in stages, don't we? You know, you teach a child to keep, the, keep their room and tidy their room and to look after their stuff and so on. They're a disaster. They're not able to do that and so on. And um, you're teaching them and you're working with them. On, and when they get that, then you give them some more responsibility and you give them some more responsibility. And ultimately, maybe you give them their own money and they're responsible for buying their, buying their own clothes and so on. They're responsible for dealing in their own lives, right? But, you know, you don't come in uh, to the four-year-old who doesn't, hasn't learned to obey and, and give them the money to run their own lives. You just don't do that. You teach them a lot. God does the same with us. And if we won't obey him in the small things, how's he going to give us the greater things to do? You see, really it's simple. God has not made it hard for us. It's actually very simple. Uh, Then there are those things. Tozer says this, and I really like this. There are those things which he wants us to consult our own sanctified preferences. There are things in life that really God's not going to give you a yes or a no on. That he says, look, as a surrendered child of God, just do what you think best. Just do what you think best. Now, that doesn't mean you can go against the Scripture, because the Scripture says yes or no, then it's a done deal. But there are those areas that, you know what, listen, <clears throat> God doesn't necessarily want to speak to you, to your, to your life about. Yeah, I got up this morning and I put on a black suit. I didn't necessarily pray for three hours to find out whether God wanted to put on a black suit or a pinstripe suit or a gray suit. I really didn't. Yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. I just got up and put it on. <clears throat> because, you know, listen, that's, that's, that's okay for today. God, God's not that concerned about that. That's not a big deal. That's not a big issue in that. Now, if I was not surrendered to God and I was going to do my own thing and I arrived in here and something that was offensive to you, you know, <clears throat> and just was not right, that, that would be a different thing altogether. But that would not be that, you know, um, I didn't know what God wanted me to do or I, I, I didn't know the will of God. That would be just I was doing my own thing. Right? So here's, here's the issue for you. The issue for you is, listen, as long as you're walking with God, you know what? It's a walk. He's revealing to you what he wants you to do as the day goes through. 
Don't agonize over it. I've known people that have agonized over things. I knew one guy who was in a meeting, and every few minutes in the meeting he would stop and he would pray because he wanted to know what God wanted him to say. Now, look, that may sound, all sound very good, but you know what? The reality is that God doesn't work like that in our lives. God actually leads us and guides us, and uh, he works in our hearts and works in our personalities and works in our preferences. And a lot of things are okay for you to go. He, he directs you on it. And listen, you know, you're free to make your own choice of it, so don't make it complicated there. And then there are those few things <clears throat> that require special guidance of the Lord to prevent us from making serious mistakes. There's a few things in life. You know, there are life choices that need to be made that you need to come to the place where, <clears throat> you know, listen, Lord, I need you to speak to this situation. I don't want to be just doing a solo flight on this. I need to know what you want me to do. Right? And here's what you do. You ask yourself, okay, am I fully surrendered to the Lord? Whatever he says, am I willing to do? And if you're not, you're going to have a dreadful time discerning what his will is. You're going to have a terror because you can't find it because that's how you prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. You present your body a living sacrifice. Right? So you ask him, Lord, am I fully surrendered to you? And if you're not, you surrender. You say, Lord, whatever you want me to do in the situation, that's okay. And you, you might need to go through the areas in your life that are flashpoints, because everybody has flashpoints in their lives, the areas that are actually you know, important to you. And you might need to surrender them. You, you might need to surrender your family. You might need to surrender your financial situation. You, you might need to surrender some relationship. You might need to surrender a dream. You know, because you know, typically we know, if we, if we think about it for a short time, we know what's actually upsetting us inside. We know, we know where the block is. I am surrendered to God, except in this area. If you did this, I don't think I could handle that. And you know what the issue is. What you do is you bring it out and you say, now, Lord, you know my heart in this. And Lord, I want to put it in your hands. I want to yield, Lord, whatever you want on the situation I want. And you'll know peace and freedom will flow in your life when you do that. As soon as you yield that area. Right? So the first area is, am I really surrendered to God? The second area then is, has God said no in the word to him? And if you don't know and you're not sure, phone somebody and say, listen, does God say something about this in the word? And if somebody can take you to a verse and show you what the verse says, that's it, done deal. Listen, you don't have to spend time praying about it or seeking God's face about it, it it's over. There's something wrong with what you're going to do? Don't do it. Just, just don't do it, that's it. <clears throat> you know, God says yes or no to it in the, in, in the Word of God, then listen, your decision is made. You don't have to, you don't, don't have to look, any, look any further. But then you put yourself <clears throat> in the place where you let God have his way in the situation, and you say, Lord, you show me. You show me what you want me to do. <clears throat> and um, God will show you. He's able to let you know what he wants you to do. Let me take you back to your, to your bulletin to, uh, to, <clears throat> to what um, George Mueller said. Number two, first one is what we've talked about, just yielding ourselves to God and, and letting him have his way in our lives. Secondly is, having done this, I do not leave the result to feeling or simple impression. If I do so, I make myself liable to great delusions, right? Now, <clears throat> here's what people do. People say, well, the Holy Spirit led me to do it. And it's mad. It's crazy. And it looks from the outset that it's crazy, but because the Holy Spirit led them, who are you to say? And so they do what the Holy Spirit led them to do, and it ends up going wrong. And God gets blamed for it. Look, don't leave it to simple impression. Don't leave it to your own 
feeling. Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know it? Your feeling can be wrong. Is that true? Say amen. Because we've had wrong feelings, haven't we? <clears throat> your feelings can definitely be wrong. <clears throat> now, don't go operate based upon your feelings. All right, so, <clears throat> you know, as far as I know, I've surrendered myself to the Lord. I really feel I should do this. George Mueller. And George Mueller was a man of God who spent hours every day in prayer. He said, I don't do that because I could, I could get taken up by delusion. Some of you have gotten deluded from time to time, haven't you? Because you took on something that, listen, you really wanted to do and you really felt you should do, but you really, it wasn't God's will. <clears throat> Number three, I seek the will of the Spirit of God through or in connection with God's Word. Now, we need to be a people of the Word. We need to always come back to the Word. It's the black and white. Listen, I appreciate the leading of the Spirit, and I appreciate the fact that the Holy Spirit is able to lead me. And listen, <clears throat> you need that in your life. But understand this, that the Holy Spirit is the author of the Scripture, and he never leads contrary to the Scripture. So when he leads you to do something, now he may lead you to do something specific, but it's going to be in line with Scripture always. It's not going to be wild and wacky and off base, and you're going in some crazy uh, direction all by us. That's always going to be in line with Scripture. It's going to be in line with what he's doing. And, and Mueller was saying, he would read the Word. Now, now Mueller, uh, I, I've read, would read through the Scripture, the Bible, the whole Bible, as many times as it took till he found God speaking to him on the topic he was looking for. Right? Now, that's kind of dedication, isn't it? I, I, I read on one occasion, I think he read through the Scripture three times before he actually came to the place where he believed this is definitely God's will. And... Um, you know, he went in that direction. Now, that doesn't mean he sat down for the next three weeks and he read through the Scripture <clears throat> constantly. What he did was, he wasn't in a rush about it. Did you know that God's never in a rush? Did you know that? You're in a rush, aren't you? We rush here, we rush there, we rush everywhere. We've got to have it now, we've got to make it happen. And God's never in a rush. And sometimes God will just say to you, hang in there, wait for a while. Just wait. You know, <clears throat> and um, you wait on God, and then finally God will say, now it's time to go. Now it's time to do it. Just Wait on God. For how long? For as long as God says, wait till he, till he shows you. That's too long, though, isn't it? We have to do something in the meantime. Because the, the wheels are going to come off the whole thing. It's all going to fall apart unless we do something. So we go out and we do something. And Mr. Visa makes it happen for us. Right? The God Visa makes it happen for us. And we didn't wait on God to do it. And because we didn't wait on God, we end up in a pile of trouble. By the way, just to let you know, it's coming into Christmas season here. <coughs> And don't let Visa or something else rule 2013 for you by the things you do in the next few weeks. Right? <clears throat> Be very careful uh, what you do in these next few weeks. Right? <clears throat> but we need to seek uh, the leading of the Spirit in connection with the Word. <clears throat> he says, if I look to the Spirit alone without the Word, I lay myself open to great delusions also. If the Holy Spirit guides us, he will do it according to the Scriptures, never contrary to them. Now, take that on board. That is... Always the rule. The Holy Spirit will guide you uh, <clears throat> in, through the Word. It will never be against the Word. He says, next I take into account providential circumstances. These often plainly indicate God's will in connection with His Word and Spirit. Very reasonable, very practical. What's possible? Right? <clears throat> um, I ask God in prayer to reveal His will to me. 
Thus, through prayer, the study and the word of God and the word and reflection, I come to a deliberate judgment according to the best of my ability and knowledge. If my mind is thus at peace and continues to be so after two or three more petitions, I proceed accordingly. I have found this method always effective in trivial or important issues. I think that's brilliant. Here's what I think. You know, Mueller is such a high and lofty spiritual man. And yet when he comes down to following the word, it's simple, straightforward, something that you and I can do. Listen, finding God's will is not hard. What's hard is overcoming your will. When you overcome your will, it's easy to know his will. And we need to be aware. We're going to do our own thing. God loves us. He's given us free will, and he will let us do our own thing. He's not going to step in, you know, wrestle you to the ground and plead with you to love him. He's going to let you go your own way and wait for you to run aground. He's going to let you <clears throat> take off doing your own thing and, and wait for you. But if you come to the place where you really make a commitment, Lord, I am yours. Lord, my life belongs to you. It's not mine. It's yours. Lord, would you have your will and your way in my life? Lord, I have a stubborn will in this area. and I want my own way. But Lord, take it away because I want, I want your will. You know what? I think God would be honored with a prayer like that. And I think we could see God do things in our lives in a prayer like that. Lord, take away my will. I want to see your will. Lord, take away all the noise in my soul so that I can just see your will. Because I know his will is best. You know his will is best. Let's not spend our lives doing our own thing and miss the best. Wouldn't that be a tragedy? Wouldn't it be a tragedy for you to lie on your deathbed and look back over your 70-odd years and say... Oh, wow. I've been doing my own thing. I've been going my own way. And it's all nothing. Wood, hay, stubble. Doesn't count. Just me. Wouldn't wouldn't that be a tragedy? Wouldn't that be the tragedy of tragedies in your life? Won't you yield your will to him this morning and let him have his way in your life? Won't you give up fighting for your way and really let him have his way? I think, you know, if you would do that right now, some of you would know exactly what God wants you to do. I think definitely you put yourself in the way of it. But if you won't, what you're doing is you're actually saying no to God's will. And that's foolishness because it's a good and acceptable and perfect will. We need him to lead and guide us. Don't you get weary living your own life, doing your own thing? That's yield to him. That's powerful prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this people who've come and who have listened. And, oh, Lord, I know that most of the people in this room, Lord, in their, in their minds want your way. But, Lord, there's obstacles in our hearts, Lord, and there's blockages. Oh, blessed Spirit of the living God. Lord, in these moments, would you just take us, Lord, and shake us loose of the things that bind us and bring us to a place where we can truly yield to you. Lord, we know that you have a good and acceptable and perfect will. Blessed Spirit of the living God, may we embrace it. May we follow it. And may we know it to be that good and acceptable and perfect will. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as you sit there, let me ask you, has God spoken to you this morning? Is God dealing with you? Forget about everybody else. Is God dealing with you? Maybe you'd say, listen, there's an area in my life that I'm resisting the will of God. I know God wants me to do something, but I'm I'm resisting it. Now, Now, be honest with yourself. You know, it's often not that we don't know. 
It's that we're resisting. There's an area that God is dealing with in your life and you're resisting. Would you lift your hands so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. See those hands? Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Let me ask you another question. You're here this morning and you know you yield to God's will. You need to yield to God's will. You know you need to let him have his way, but there's an area that you're frightened of. And it's not that you're resisting God, but you're frightened of yielding in that area. You're frightened of letting go in that area. And you're holding on to it. And you're looking for God uh, to have his way. But, you know, the truth is that there's an area you're holding on to. There's an area that's precious for you and you're holding on to it. Would, would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. You know, peace comes when we yield. Peace comes when we let go. Let me ask you one, one last question. Then we're going to have, have a time when you can come forward and you can do business with God. You're here this morning. You don't know God's will for your life. There's an area that it's just blank for you. There's an area where you, you, you want God's will and you, you, you know what you want perhaps, but you're not sure it's God's will. And this morning you would say, listen, Lord, I want to yield to you. Would you show me your will in that area, Lord? Your will. And Lord, I'm making a commitment to you. You show me your will and I will do it. Show me what your will in that area is, Lord, and I will do it. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. 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 Now, Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for <clears throat> making it simple for us. Lord, would you help us this morning, Lord, to yield to you in Jesus' name. Let's have everybody stand to their feet. And as the piano plays and God is dealing with you step out of your seat and come forward and do business with him. Just take a moment and seal it with God. Even if you didn't raise a hand, but there's an area you want to deal with as the piano plays, you just come and you do business with God.